Welcome to Leaders with Ambition, the podcast that delves deep into the careers of some of the UK's most successful leaders working in professional services firms. We aim to discover the secrets behind their success, the challenges they've overcome, and to find out what traits make a successful leader. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Leaders with Ambition podcast series. And today I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest, Shital Sangvi. And we are going to have a really interesting conversation today. A very inspirational woman, I think you'll all find. Now, Shital is currently partner at RSM UK. She's head of innovation reliefs for central regions. She started her career at RSM 15 years ago before her partnership promotion. So I've been with the firm for 17 years now. I think a massively great example of what hard work and tenacity can actually achieve. You don't need to firm hop to get your promotions here. And a real, I think, inspirational story is ahead. The beauty of um, Chital, I think, is this authenticity that surrounds her and this really strong belief from her that everybody should be in a position to bring their best selves to work. A first-generation British-Asian woman, she is incredibly passionate about creating a diverse and inclusive workplace. And I think this real sense of authenticity will follow us through this conversation today. The impact that her family has had on her as well over the years, I think, is just so breathtaking. You know, there's a very strong bond with her mother and also her sister and how this impact of her family has helped with that drive and determination to succeed. And we'll also hear how some very strong mentoring actually helped the career get to this perfect job that uh, she tells in at the moment. So without further ado, I'm going to pass you over and please bring your career history to life for us. Well, how do I follow that? Um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, thank you for that yeah, uh, introduction. So I guess um, in terms of yeah, my career history, I uh, started RSM a number of years ago, as you mentioned, and I started in audit in the, yeah, a training contract, I got a training contract with RSM in audit. And why, why did you decide to go into audit? Because I know that when you were taking your back through to your school history, you weren't really sure what path you were going to follow, were you? No. So I guess, yeah, taking a step back, I always wanted to study law at university, but I didn't quite get the A-level grades that I needed. So I was a little lost on my next move and I was advised by my teacher at the time to fill out this careers questionnaire, which would then, based on the results, give me a list of top 10 careers suited to me. Surprisingly, at the time, law didn't feature in the list. The careers were all related to business. So an accountant, entrepreneur, business owner, etc. So I got into De Montfort University in Leicester through the clearing system. Yeah, And I chose to study business studies. It was broad, which then I guess I found that studying through that, that I wanted to then go on to do accountancy. So I applied to quite a few of the, the big four and was uh, rejected. My A-level grades let me down. So I was rejected by the computer in the recruitment process. <laughs> no, yeah. And so I got the yellow pages out and wrote to about 20 different firms for a training contract. And my first interview was with a small firm in Nottingham. And without going into the specifics, it was obvious 10, 15 minutes into the interview that I was only invited to tick the ethnicity box. 
But a few weeks later, I received a letter from RSM or Tenon, as it was called then. And uh, the first interview went really well. An audit manager at the time, Alex Shacklock, uh, interviewed me and we built rapport immediately. Went into the second and final interview with the managing partner of the Nottingham office, Leslie Spencer. And at the time, I remember thinking, wow, female managing partner, that's uh, unheard of. And I just knew that RSM was the firm for me. And I was lucky enough to be offered a, a training contract as an audit trainee. Amazing. And when you were going through that process, did it all come together for you? Did you start to think, yes, this is definitely what I want to do. This is what I want to be. Law by now is a a long distant memory for you. Yeah, I guess that questionnaire was a bit of a reality check. I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. So I didn't get the A-level grades because it was going to push me down another path, which was the right path for me. If I had got the grades and got into the chosen university to do law, well... Be a partner in a law firm now instead. (laughs) I'm not not sure about that. But yeah, I think things happen for a reason. So the not getting the grades that I needed pushed me down a path that I was made to, you know, be put on, I think. So I was grateful not to get the grades when you kind of like look back. Yeah. I know when you and I were discussing your journey in your younger life as well, One of the things that you've always done is have this entrepreneurial spirit. And you were telling me a story about your parents had a post office and that you were selling chocolates and sweets at school to to make some extra money. I love that. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, my to come into my background, I lost my father at a very young age. So I guess there was a bit of responsibility on me at an early age and uh, A lot of kids my age, children, you know, they used to get pocket money from their parents. My mum couldn't afford to give me and my sister pocket money. So I had a big passion for sports and trainers. You know, I used to love my designer wear trainers, still do. But she couldn't afford them. So I used to, yeah, buy the chocolates and sweets at cost price and sell them on with quite a nice margin at school. (laughs) And I used to yeah, use that money to pay for, I guess, some of those uh, pleasures as well as, you know, learning to save quite a bit as well, because uh, that became important when my father passed away. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was must have been a terribly awful time at any age, never mind at the age of 10, which is, is obviously so very young, as you mentioned. But how did you, you know, that you were the eldest um, sibling, as you mentioned, you had a younger sister. How did you then adapt with that responsibility? Because I know you took a lot of responsibility to help your family unit, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah, my father was my world, my hero. I'm sure a lot of girls uh, would say the same. And we lost him to Crohn's. And as you mentioned, yeah, additional responsibility, you know, on me to to support my mum. I had to grow up very quickly, a lot quicker than I'd expected. And looking back, I don't think I grieved properly. and felt that I needed to be strong for my mum and sister. So I kept a lot of what I was feeling going through to myself, which I know now was the wrong thing to do. But I guess that was a bit of a coping mechanism, you know, for me when I was uh, younger and the process was all very new. It was the first time that we'd lost someone in the family. So it it was a new process, yeah, that I was going through. And my mum gave up a career that she 
really enjoyed. She had to play the role of both mother and father and she sacrificed her own dreams, worked hard and day and night to make my dreams and goals hers. So she ensured that I had the best start in life. So, you know, the credit for everything that I've achieved, both professionally and personally, does go to her. But I guess in terms of the responsibility piece, yeah, I worked Saturday job, worked through the summer. A lot of that money was just put to one side, either spent on my sister because I wanted her to not miss out on what a normal teenager should do. And I feel I did miss out on a lot of that. I didn't have the luxury to go on holidays with my friends. And I guess, you know, what is the norm now and what most teenagers, you know, will do. So, but I didn't want my sister to, I guess, go through that. So I'd always put money aside, you know, for her. And, you know, in the end, yeah, did go on and support my mum to pay for her university costs and her wedding as well. What an amazing achievement for you. And I know that you're very, very close with both your mum and your sister, but what an inspirational role model your mother sounded as well. Yeah, definitely a, a very, very strong woman. She was the year 39 when my father passed away. So and um, she has effectively for a number of years put her life on hold for me and my sister. And what can I say about my sister? You know, she's my rock, my best friend. You know, she's the closest person to me. She's there for me, no questions asked. And I guess is my pillar of strength. She's my go-to person for everything. Growing up, we always protected each other. We keep each other grounded. And, you know, I hope it always stays that way. So I am very, very blessed and grateful, yeah, to have both these amazing women in my life. A really solid foundation is how I see you three together, which is uh, so lovely to have in your life, isn't it? And I'm sure that she does keep you grounded. I'm sure you keep each other grounded because that's what sister. It's just do, isn't it? They don't let you get a buffy station. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about your times. You started at RSM in audit mm-hmm. and quickly realised that actually you were good at the job as well, weren't you? Not only enjoyed it, but that actually you were really good at what you were doing. So how did that start to progress? How was your career? Was it defined by you? Was it defined by the needs of the business, the needs of the firm? What, what was the next step there? So, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I started my career in audit and it gave me a really good grounding. And I I enjoyed being out of the office, interacting with senior individuals from many businesses. You know, you come in as a university graduate and you're effectively chucked out on day one to meet all these new businesses, which I thrived on. Then when I completed my chartered accountancy qualification, I transferred permanently to the corporate tax team because I had an interest in tax which um, kind of stemmed out of the my university degree so I, I did business studies but I did quite a few accountancy and tax modules so initially yeah my, my work in tax was purely compliance based but I had an audit background and no one at the time encouraged me to sit the professional tax exam so I guess grasping the complex tax areas was a challenge for me and a very steep learning curve and as time went on the knowledge gap increased and it eventually became a barrier when senior members of staff required support on these complex tax advisory projects but luckily for me during 2010 there was a senior manager at the time who specialized in innovation reliefs and he needed junior support on projects so I put my hand up and I guess this is where I found my niche in an area of tax that I became uh, very passionate about. 
Yeah. When you did that was it, you did a convent, wasn't didn't you, initially in that? Yeah, so when, yeah, before I transferred permanently yeah. to the corporate tax team, I did a four-month uh, secondment. And the plan was always to go back toward it. I just wanted, you know, that wider tax experience. But uh, there wasn't a business case for me at the time to go on to be promoted to assistant manager. And I was happy to wait because, you know, I really enjoyed uh, working at the firm and you know the jobs that I was involved in Uh, but after a couple of months after I transferred back to audit a permanent position was offered to me in corporate tax and uh, I thought okay why not I'm still within the same firm so if it doesn't work out hopefully audit have not closed the doors on me and I can I can go back yeah if you do a good job then there's always the doors are always open aren't they that's amazing <laughs> and so what you started to do you started to immerse yourself more in the corporate tax world and found your passion as you mentioned there as well but you then had to move back to towards Leicester didn't you yeah we were... so I guess a, a, some background on that so that the the specialism in innovation reliefs played a really key aspect in my progression to associate tax director with the firm And it became evident to me that my skill set lay in going out into the external market, building key relationships with clients, targets, and uh, our intermediary network, and really driving the business development of this specialist area. But I guess the challenge for me in my career was this this lack of that wider technical experience. And, you know, I, I just wasn't getting that. But I was put forward for the partner assessment in 2015. And following that, I was told about a 12-month secondment opportunity to the Milton Keynes corporate tax team. And and this involved no client portfolio and an opportunity to work on these tax advisory projects outside of innovation reliefs and widening that technical knowledge. So I guess for me, it was an easy decision to make. And off I uh, went on secondment. But but during the 12-month period in Milton Keynes, you know, not many advisory projects landed in the tax team. And I was told, you know, it was reflective of the external market and other officers were experiencing the same. But despite not being able to, I guess, widen my technical knowledge, I was able to generate opportunities and innovation reliefs and spot opportunities to sell in other service lines into our client base. So that secondment gave me the ability to work well with another tax team in the firm and show another office what my key strengths were. Yeah. But, you know, throughout my career, being close to my family has always been important to me. And RSM has always acknowledged and understood that. So at the end of the 12 months of comment, the plan was always to return back to Nottingham because that's where I started my career. But during my secondment, the Nottingham office had recruited some senior members into the tax team. And with that continued lack of wider technical knowledge, I, I guess I was back where I was before my secondment, kind of like, where do I go from here? And I couldn't see myself progressing or developing further. And I felt there might be a bit of a ceiling for me within the Nottingham office. So the senior team spoke to me about a position in the Leicester corporate tax team. And that's then how I ended up in Leicester. And I joined in April 2017. And when was it that you had the conversation with your mentor about where your strengths lay and what would be the best for your career, but also to help move RSM forward as well? Yeah, so when I joined Leicester in April 17, again, the position was going to provide that opportunity for me to support on those wider tax projects. But again, this didn't come to fruition. And during the summer of that year, I 
broke my ankle in the RSM football tournament. So I was sat at home. Exercise is supposed to be good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was quite quite a bad, a bad injury. And yeah, I was sat at home for about 17 weeks with my ankle elevated. That's a long time. I had a lot of time to think. Yeah. And at that point, the only answer I was coming up with was tax is just not for me. I need a change in career. And that is the point that, uh, as you rightly say, I turned to my colleague, Melanie Reed, who was my mentor at the time. And uh, she was also the national head of uh, corporate tax at RSM in 2017. And she suggested changing role to a fully focused innovation relief specialist, which was unheard of at RSM. There was nobody within the firm in a fully focused role. But she spoke to some of the management team, I guess, put a neck on the line for me. And yeah. very soon after, very late 2017, early 2018, I finally got what deep down inside you wanted all along, a focused specialist role that played on my key strengths. Yeah. Thanks to Melanie, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do uh, owe a, a lot to her. She did uh, change quite a lot of my career. But I think that's something, again, that, you know, I know that RSM as a firm are very passionate about ensuring that the mentors are in place. And that's something that you do a lot of with your teams as well, isn't it, to really pay that forward? Yeah, throughout my career, so many people have had an impact on my career. A couple I've named dropped today, but there are many more. And I've received a significant amount of support from a whole army of senior members in the firm. You know, they've really invested in me. These individuals have had the confidence in me when I didn't, and they've really pushed me to help me achieve my corporate goals. Yeah. And you can't progress on your own, Nikki. You know, you really need that internal support network, mentors, sponsors around you so that you can learn from their experiences. And I'm very lucky and grateful that I continue to have that same level of support even today as a partner. Yeah. Leaders have the responsibility to bring out the best in others. And that's certainly what has happened in my career. These army of individuals, you know, brought out the the best in me. I've grown up in a very supportive and collaborative environment at RSM. I've had plenty of opportunities to learn and develop. But most importantly, I have brought me to work, my whole self, since the day I joined and, and the firm and had great fun along the way. And Yeah, I guess my respectful and open, authentic style has helped me to develop. And I do believe that this approach has been instrumental in how I view in developing others in the firm and my team and around me. It's equally important to know people professionally as well as personally to get the absolute best out of them. I know that you're very instrumental in Edie and I, aren't you, in the firm? And you sit on the Embrace committee as well is that correct yeah that that's correct yeah so you know you mentioned I'm a first generation born British Asian and yes I'm very passionate about creating a diverse and inclusive workplace at RSM you know I strongly believe that everyone should have equal opportunity and receive the support they need to succeed and reach their full potential at the firm uh, regardless of their background color or religion whilst and this is really important you know being themselves at work and hopefully through my personal experiences and knowledge I'm able to train the leaders of the future and encourage them all levels within the firm from all backgrounds that RSM is a firm that can deliver on their aspirations as they have done for me. Yeah and I think that's so important isn't it again you and I've talked about how there are so many firms that have got great policies out there you talked about you know your first experience interviewing 17 years ago where you felt it was a tick box exercise and there's so many 
unfortunately, lots of firms have got great policies, but they haven't actually got um, role models in place or in situ to enable people to really view it through a proper lens and say, yes, this is living and breathing. And do you feel a sense of responsibility as a role model in your firm? Yeah, I guess I do, because I've somehow managed, you know, to start as a graduate and work my way up through the ranks to partner. And I do hope that, you know, especially for the Asian females coming through, they can look up to me if someone like Chatel can progress through the ranks, then um, so can we follow your dreams and with the right work ethic and the right people around you why not anything's achievable so yeah I do feel I have that that sense of yeah responsibility to that the younger generation coming through and it's not always about people starting as graduates and wanting to get to partner that's not always going to be everyone's career route or the right route either people might want to get to manager senior manager and that's it for them in terms of the stock but it's making sure that individuals in whatever positions they are, are still getting the best opportunities and they're still enjoying the work and wanting to come to work and being part of a team. It's not always about getting the promotions and and, and jumping through the ranks because that might not be the correct route for everybody. Yeah, I know you and I have talked about this before as well, that so many people now almost demand the promotion or the next stage or as soon as they get promoted, it's almost like, what's next? And it's very much the belief that, you know, do your job well and it will come. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, be yourself, find a job that you love and grab the opportunities around you with both hands, but be patient. Yeah, do your job well, work hard and I guess you'll get noticed and the results will follow. So you you were made partner, I think it was two years ago, wasn't it, that you were promoted? director to partner and it was pretty quick director to partnership what did you have to do to achieve that what was the path that was set for you I guess that change in role to an innovation relief specialist was an absolute game changer in my career I don't think I can emphasize that enough so at that point I became head of the region and I started to build the innovation relief business in the region it was Not so much a blank sheet of paper, but I guess there was a low starting point in terms of the number of clients that we were selling this service line into. So I was able to create a business and kind of do it my way as well with the support of people around me. And that generated a lot of confidence in me. So my confidence levels were sky high. You know, I was performing at my best and I'd never been happier at work. And I've always been told, if you do the right things, the numbers sort themselves out. Yeah. And, and, and that's really kind of the, the approach that I had. And we started winning a lot of work in, the, in that space. And that generated, yeah, the business case for me to go on to become director in October 2018. And yeah, quickly went on to become partner in April 2020. So I guess the hard work and the perseverance, resilience, you know, definitely paid off. And what does success look like to you then? Because you seem to have, you know, throughout your career, you've worked incredibly hard. You, you, you know, you've taken some chances and risks. You, you know, you've moved location. You've moved um, from audit to corporate tax. What is success to you? It's a good question. I think being happy in what you do. If you enjoy what you do, like I said, everything else just sorts itself out and the success will come. Um, And for me, yeah, I'm just really lucky 
that I'm in a job that I genuinely do love. I don't feel like I come to work and I'm supported by a great team below and upwards. And yeah, you know, I'm in a firm that uh, I really enjoy working for. I think that's that's a really great answer as well. And I think one of the things that you and I spoke about and I think really radiates from you is this feeling that it, you're not one person doing this, that you know, it's a team and whether it's your peers, whether it's um, either superiors at the time or whether it's people that have joined or on your team, that you really do feel like you're all doing this together, which I think is really special. Yeah, I mean, you know, they always say, don't they, the, the family that eats together stays together. You yeah. can use that that same analogy in the workplace as well. Yeah, well, you've created something special there, haven't you? <laughs> and what about the highlights then for you? Because you've got so many career highlights. Uh, what would you class as being then? So I guess the highlight that I'm most proud of is being able to give back to my mom. I'm now in a position that I'm able to fully support her. And although... It will not repay her for the sacrifices that she has made. It's just a small way of saying thank you for everything you've done and hopefully the sacrifices went for nothing. So I guess that's definitely the top highlight for me. But my career path not followed a traditional route. As I've explained, you know, I've gone from an auditor through to a general tax advisor and now a specialist in a niche area. So I'm proud that I've done it my way. So, yeah, I guess there are two highlights that I'm proud of today. And what, what have you suffered from imposter syndrome at all on the way? Because you're a very um, together woman and I think authentic. And I imagine that you feel comfortable asking for help. And I know that you're probably more comfortable asking for help in a work base than in a personal capacity sometimes. So have you felt that at all, imposter syndrome? I mean, like you say, I am comfortable asking for help. I think the need for consultation never goes away and it shouldn't go away. The advice that I guess I give can be high risk at times. And if you need a second pair of eyes on it, why wouldn't you get that? Uh, You don't want to expose the firm to risk. But I guess in terms of maybe some of the challenges that I've experienced, um, most people say, and you might have an opinion on this, Nikki, that I look quite young. (laughs) So when I do walk into a room, I'm Often people think that I'm the junior and the boss is on its way. I'm also four foot 11, so I, I don't have a lot of presence probably when I walk into <laughs> a room. So I'm, I'm small. But I think um, yeah, I've had to work on, on that. Clearly, I can't do anything about my height and the way that yeah. I look. But in terms of uh, the presence and creating that impact, yeah, I've really had to work on that because um, it doesn't come naturally to me. And from a cultural point of view, you know, I've always been brought up to, I guess, respect my elders and you don't challenge or question what they say. And many a times this has come into my day to day working life. I've often sat back, not spoken enough or challenged when I needed to. And yeah. I guess lack that confidence. And it's an area that I've worked really hard on with the support of individuals within RSM. But I think that's always going to be there. It's always going to be an area that I will always have to work on in the years to come because of, I guess, my upbringing. Yeah, well, it's inherent in you, isn't it? And I think that's, yeah. and I think the fact that you're aware of it and working on it is the main thing. It's it's when you're not aware of these things that they start to impact your career. Which I think it, it's great, and it's uh, amazing to look young. I think just thinking twenty years time, you're still going to look. Amazing. She's good. Hope so. Hope so. The, the cream's doing its job so far. So. 
<laughs> so would you say you know challenge speaking about the challenges then you know that's a challenge that you face that around this your feeling around sometimes not wanting to push back and as you mentioned there you're working really hard to make sure that you're aware of it and developing it what else would you say has been a challenge for you throughout your career so I guess from a personal point of view and I guess some of it has had an impact in my career as well I was in a very unhappy marriage for about seven years as a result of toxic masculinity and despite knowing that such behaviors and actions you know shouldn't be tolerated at all my culture and respect for my mom and sister kept me in the marriage divorce is still seen as a taboo in the Asian culture and you know I wanted to protect them from the community backlash didn't want to feel like I'd let them down by not being able to make the marriage work but with every challenge there's always a positive and my outlook on life has changed I'm a lot stronger and I think that gives me the confidence to be resilient and hopefully challenge in the areas that I need to at work. But I'm a very happy-go-lucky person and, you know, that has come as a result of not very nice time that I went through. I know now whatever comes my way, I can deal with with or, or, or professionally. That must have been a really difficult time for you personally, but also from what I know about you, the relationship with your sister and your mother and that bond is so strong that to not shared something that was so impactful for you must have been so difficult. So yeah, yeah, it was. I, you know, you're right. I didn't tell my mom and sister what was going on. And I guess, you know, I left the house with a smile on my face because that is what was expected of me. But As I've mentioned previously, when I said that I didn't grieve properly, kept things to myself, that is in my nature, but it made me realise, you know, at that point in time that it is really important to talk about these things and, you know, it's not your fault, it's nobody's fault, there are people around you that, that can help and, yeah, turning back the clock, if I'd mentioned it sooner, maybe they would have been able to to help or helped me easily get out of the situation that I felt slightly trapped in. That's tough. And, and, you know, I think it's amazing that you you share that experience because, again, there would be so many people in that situation, men and women, and feel that they can't get out of the situation. And hearing somebody like you, who's in such a, has got such a great personality, such a great deal of strength and resilience and also in a senior role has been through that I think it's incredibly inspirational of you to share that and hopefully it will give people the opportunity to maybe be able to talk about it sooner and and get themselves out of those situations so thank you and what about what's next for you then well I'm in a very happy place at the moment I'm really enjoying what I'm doing I'm building a team around me so I guess enter that next growth phase for the innovation reliefs business within the region. So I guess it's, yeah, more, more of the same. And then 12 to 18 months down the line, yeah, reassess and take stock. But right now, yeah, everything's going uh, very well. And I'm on holiday tomorrow. So next step is to get everything done. <laughs> so I can um, get out the office and uh, focus on having some downtime for a couple of weeks which is so important as well I think actually particularly when you're you're working as hard as you do you need that time to be able to recharge because it's impossible just to be able to keep going at that level all the time isn't it agreed yeah what about words of wisdom from you then what would you share to future generations wanting to to break into professional services firms 
You know, so I think one point I've touched on already throughout this conversation with you, Nikki, is be yourself and find a job that you love. If you find something you enjoy, you'll never need to work a day in your life. Yeah. And bringing your whole self to life and work. I hope that people that have known me my whole career would agree that I haven't changed. You know, I'm still the same graduate that walked through the door many years ago. You know, I definitely still look the same anyway. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's just, yeah, just be yourself and find something that you love. And I reap those opportunities. That's how, I guess, my career has taken that unconventional or untraditional path is taking the opportunities that are there in front of me, grabbing them with both hands. And until you do that, you're not going to know what you enjoy and what you don't like. And, and it's fine. You know, it's fine to say that I don't like that area but I I do enjoy this because if you find something you enjoy that the results will follow and and don't be afraid to fail I think you can only succeed if you've had failures yeah and I think also it's interesting that you've managed to achieve what you've achieved in the same firm and that's so unusual these days isn't it you normally see people looking for progression and thinking the only way I'm going to progress is by moving firms and actually what you've done is found different roles throughout your period of time. Yeah that has definitely played a part but I still today believe that it's the people around me that have made that impact that army of individuals the senior individuals I was talking about yeah it's because of them that I am still here yes people say you went into that partner panel yourself or the director panel yourself but you can't get to that position without that support so sponsors yeah yeah, so I've got a lot of thank yous people that are still at RSM people that have not with RSM now but yeah, this success is not just down to me. It's uh, a whole host of people that have contributed to that. I think those are very strong words for us to end the conversation on today. Thank you so much. And really fascinating to hear about your journey, to hear about the, the way that you've focused your career, the importance of mentorship and sponsoring throughout that career, and also this massive amount of tenacity and resilience that has come through from you having such an awful situation when you were younger, losing your father at a young age, to this special relationship you've had with your family as well, which has helped you really build your foundation to be a successful businesswoman. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. No, and thank you for inviting me to yeah to do this podcast. It's, it's definitely a first and it's been enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks, Nikki.